The following message is from Grace on the Ashley Baptist Church, located in Charleston, South Carolina. For more information about Grace on the Ashley, visit graceontheashley.org. ...to themselves. I know that there are probably some exceptions, but most of the people that we have monuments to today, they weren't put up because that person that they commemorate called for the monument to be erected. That would be crazy. That would be egotistical. That would be something that we would shake our heads at and say, it just shouldn't take place. No one typically raises a monument to himself, builds a monument to himself. And yet as we look at the 11th chapter of Genesis, we find this very thing here in this passage of Scripture. You have a group of people who are essentially saying, let's build a monument to ourselves to commemorate our achievement, to let the world know just how great we are. As strange as that sounds, and as strange as it seems that we would never do that ourselves, this is just what these people do here in this passage of Scripture. A group of people sought to build a city and a tower that would forever commemorate their greatness. However, as you know, the story goes, God saw their pride, God saw what they were attempting to do, He came down and he judged them. He scattered them and confused their language. You know, what was true for these people here in Genesis chapter 11 is sometimes true for your life and my life. Sometimes you and I try to build a monument to ourselves. Sometimes uh, we say to ourselves, now we would never say this openly, but sometimes we say to ourselves, I want to pursue this goal. I want to be successful in my career. I want people to recognize me maybe as a a godly woman or a wife who has everything together or as a mother who has everything together. I want people to recognize me as I pursue this goal or try to achieve this thing. And I want them to notice me that I might be praised. We would never say that publicly, but inwardly in our hearts, we would say that. We would whisper that to ourselves. And yet the same message that was true in the life of the people here in Genesis chapter 11 is true in your life and my life as well. God's people are not to be people who build monuments to themselves. God's people are not to be people who seek to have others affirm them and acknowledge them as we pursue the things of this world. But rather we are to be a people who allow God to make our names great, to bless us for his greater kingdom purposes that his gospel might advance. Listen, I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what you're wearing yourself out trying to accomplish. Maybe it's success in your career. Maybe it's a relationship that you have. Maybe you just want to be known for this or that. But I've got a word from God for you this morning. Don't exhaust yourself trying to build a monument for yourself, but rather humble yourself Ask God to give you success in whatever you're pursuing according to his will, that his kingdom might advance, that his gospel might advance, and that a monument might be built to him, to his greatness, and to all that he gives people in his salvation in Christ. Listen to what the writer has for us here, here in Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 and following. He writes these words. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. 
And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of a man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language. And this is the only, only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they purpose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Father, we come to you this morning to this passage of Scripture, God, that we learn, some of us, even as children, and yet, Lord, the truth that it conveys, the truth that it expresses, God, Lord, we even need now as adults. Father, I pray for your people that who are here this morning. I pray, God, that they would be open to what you have to say. I pray, Father, that they would be sensitive, God, to the movement of the Holy Spirit in their life. God, help us to examine ourselves in light of your word, in light of the Spirit's work in our lives, and ask ourselves, God, are we building monuments to ourselves for our own glory, for the recognition of others? Or, God, are we seeking to commemorate and to build a monument, Lord, to you, God, to your blessings, to the salvation that you give in Christ? Father, help our answer to be, Lord, that we build a monument to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we look at this passage of Scripture, we see that the people in Genesis chapter 11 are seeking to build a city and a tower to commemorate their greatness. And and yet, instead of commemorating their greatness, they merely commemorate their folly. Now, as we seek to understand what Moses writes for us here in this passage of Scripture, what I want to do very simply is just to ask several questions of the text and then make some points of application. We don't have anything fancy this morning, anything uh, sophisticated this morning that we want to do. I just want to walk you through this story, asking some questions, and then make some applications for our lives. First question that we have of this passage of Scripture is, what is the setting? What is the context? What exactly is going on? Well, the setting of the story we find in verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as the people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. The story takes place in what we would call today Iraq. In ancient times, they would have referred to it as the land of Babylon or that area between the two rivers, Tigris and Euphrates. And it was a time when people, the entire earth, spoke one language. And now it's interesting because the writer is actually going to trace... Uh, one of the lines of one of the sons of Noah. Now, the Bible will mention over in chapter 10, Noah and his three sons. You remember that he had three sons. He had, uh, he had uh, Shem, he had Ham, he had Jepheth. And so what you have here in this passage of Scripture, you have one line of Shem that is being traced. And that line will be traced to this place we call Shinar, Shinar or Babylon. 
Now, what I want to point out to you, I don't want to go into detail about this now, because we'll return to it later and discuss it more. But basically, in Genesis chapter 11 and Genesis chapter 12, we have two lines of Shem that are being traced. One line will end up here in Babylon, and the other line of Shem will be traced to uh, 1127 to a man by the name of Abram, who we will call Abraham. And so the line of Shem is traced to two people, both the people here and also to Abraham and his descendants. And as you will see very soon, the result was very, very different. And so our story begins in Babylon with Shem's descendants. And they propose a plan, and it is a plan to exclude God. Now, what exactly is this plan? Well, the plan is to build a city, and the plan is to build a tower. And they are seeking greatness for themselves. They are seeking a name for themselves. They are seeking for people to commemorate who they are. Look at what Moses writes there in verse 4. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. So they proposed to build a city and a tower. As you can see, you can understand even the motivation that guided them as they built these structures. They wanted to make a name for themselves. They wanted people to recognize them. And they also wanted security, it seems. They didn't want to be dispersed over the face of the entire earth. It's interesting because the biblical writer will also mention the materials that they will use. There in verse 3, he talks about, in the ESV, it translates those words bricks and bitumen is what they will use. Bitumen is simply uh, tar or asphalt. Now it's interesting because he's going to say they're going to use uh, bricks for stone and bitumen for mortar. Uh, he's simply saying these are the materials that people use in the east, whereas people in the west would use stone and mortar. And so it's really written from the perspective of one there in the western part. Uh, and what else do we find about this passage of scripture? Well, they exclude God. They exclude God from what they are attempting to do. And how do we know this? Well, we know this by looking at verse 3. Verse 3, they say, come, let us make bricks. Verse 4, they say, let us ourselves build ourselves a city and a tower. Verse 4 again, they say, let us make a name for ourselves. In all of their planning, in all of their goal setting, they are seeking to build a monument to themselves because they are excluding the Lord. Well, what happens to these people? What is the result? Well, what happens is recorded there in verses 5 through 9. Let's go back and look at it again. You can see what God does. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over all the face of the earth, and they left off building the city. What we see takes place here is that God comes down, and God judges them. God confuses them by causing them to speak multiple languages, and he scatters them throughout the face of the earth. In fact, the, the title of the place is called Babel, or the name of the place is called Babel, which means confusion or mixed, meaning they're, they're of a mixed language or they're of a confused languages so that they cannot understand one another. 
Now the story is simple enough, and I know that you've heard it again and again. You've probably heard it, some of you, since the time that you were children. But the story communicates an important truth to us from the Lord. Don't strive to accomplish something. Don't strive to achieve something apart from the Lord, merely to be recognized by others. You see, whatever pursuits we pursue, whatever goals we seek after, whatever we seek to accomplish, that's good in and of itself. It's not bad to have ambition or goals, but we must not seek those things apart from God. And certainly as believers, we should not seek those things with no thought for the kingdom or God's divine purposes. Well, we want to apply this passage of Scripture to our life, and to do that, let me just make some simple points of application. I have four simple points of application that I want to share with you this morning. The first point of application would be this. Understand your culture. Understand your culture. Now, what exactly is culture? Culture is, is what all of us experience every day. It's what people say. It's what they value. It's, it's what's important to people. It's how people behave. It's all of these things. But we as believers need to understand our culture. We might read this story, this ancient story, and we might say they're so different from us. And, you know, in many ways they are. I mean, they're not a sophisticated technological 21st century society. But in some ways they are just like us when it comes to culture. We, like the people of Babel, long ago. We have what's called a human-centered culture or a human achievement culture. What do I mean by that? I mean, just like the culture in this story, there are times when we as a culture, we as a people become obsessed with achieving our goals. And the, the purpose of seeking after these goals is merely to exalt ourselves in the lives of others. You know, we might obtain a higher level of wealth, seek to attain a higher level of wealth than others so that we can be recognized by those around us. We might seek to reach some kind of elite social status where we're invited to this party or that party. We might seek to obtain uh, uh, the good life or to be successful in our job or to be recognized for various things. What is my point? Our culture at times is just like their culture, we can become obsessed with human achievement. Now, as I've mentioned to you already, there's nothing wrong with having goals. There's nothing wrong with trying to improve yourself. There's nothing wrong with trying to better yourself or your lot in life or your family or for those around you. But we must not pursue goals or try to achieve things merely for the recognition of others because this is sinful in God's sight. This is evil in God's sight because we leave God out of it. Do you understand what your culture is like? I mean, can you see this in your culture? This is what your culture is like, and this is what you need to be wise and discerning about, because we typically become like our culture, pursuing after things that cannot satisfy, leaving God out of our plans. And you and I as believers must understand the world in which we live and seek to be different, seek to follow the Word of God, seek to follow the plan that God has for us, and use whatever gifts or abilities or accomplishments that we have in order to further his kingdom. Well, I think one point of application in this passage of Scripture would be to understand our culture, to know our culture, because this describes our culture. I mean, if you've worked long enough in Charleston or Mount Pleasant, our area, you know that it's very much a personal achievement culture. Look at what I've accomplished. Be impressed with me. And yet God would not have us to be that way or to do those things. Not only must we understand our culture, I think we should also monitor our hearts. 
You and I as believers need to guard our hearts, monitor our hearts, understand our hearts. Now, we simply need to be aware of what's going on within our lives. It's self-awareness, self-understanding. We need to be discerning in regard to what is taking place in our life. And we should guard against those attitudes, those, those spirits, those character traits, that spirit and those, that mindset that lead us away from the Lord, such as pride, selfishness, a self-centeredness, envy, jealousy, spiritual immaturity. And you know, one of the best ways that you and I can tell if, if we have these traits within our heart is how we respond when other people succeed. I mean, how do you respond when the people at work get the promotion and you don't? You might become angry. You might become bitter. How do you respond maybe when someone gets a larger office than you? You might become angry. You might become bitter. How do you respond when someone is, has a successful marriage or their children do well? Sometimes our response might be envy or jealousy or a comparison of ourselves to others. And sometimes these are signs, these are marks that we want recognition. Listen, I, I rarely go to a conference when I attend that conference where someone isn't mad at that conference uh, who, who wasn't able to speak, uh, who wasn't invited to speak. I mean, every time I, I come back, right, I come back to CSU. I'm going to tell you, I hope you guys aren't recording this, right? But I'm going to tell you something. Every time I come back to CSU and I say, I went to this conference or that conference, I mean, I, I, will, I will talk to people, I'll go other places, and I'll say, I heard so-and-so speak. Well, why didn't they invite me? I don't know. I didn't ask them, right? I'm, I'm not sure, right? Have you heard people say that? Well, they should have asked me, right? So you want to be recognized, right? You want to be acknowledged, it's just human nature to do that. And anytime you hear, you know, uh, uh, this good thing or that good thing happen to someone, there's going to be someone to find something negative about that, right? Somebody's going to say something uh, derogatory or make a cutting remark. We all do that, don't we? I mean, we laugh and we chuckle when we talk about other people doing that, but all of us do that. That is an indication that we need to monitor our hearts more carefully and allow the Word of God to change our hearts and to change our mindsets and to not be so consumed with making, with planning goals, with achieving goals so that others might recognize us. Well, how can you monitor your heart? How can I monitor my heart? There's a lot of things that we can do, but I, I think uh, one of the things you can do is to maintain a consistent, growing relationship with the Lord. Maintain a consistent, growing relationship with the Lord. You're doing that right now. Okay? You're meeting with God's people. You're listening to God's word. You're praying corporately. You can also do that personally. Let the word of God take you captivity. Take your mind and your heart and your spirit into captivity so that you are not consumed and dominated by the ideas of this culture, but instead the word of God consumes and dominates and guides your life. Maintain a growing, consistent relationship with the Lord through worship, through prayer, through Bible study, by allowing believers to correct you. I don't like to be corrected. I don't know about you. I don't like to be corrected. Anybody here like to be corrected? I don't like to be corrected. None of us like that. Most people don't like to be corrected. But all of us need believers. We need people in our lives whom we give the authority to to say, you know what, I, I really think you're out of line here. I really think your ego is bigger than your desire to please the Lord. That might be a wife, that might be a husband, that might be a brother or a sister, a biological brother or sister who is a believer. It might be someone in your Sunday school class. 
but we all need people at times to speak into our lives to help us maintain that growing, consistent walk with the Lord. I think another way that we can monitor our hearts is by asking ourselves key questions. Key questions as we pursue our goals, as we pursue our dreams, as we seek to accomplish what we desire to accomplish. Am I seeking to honor God or am I seeking to honor myself? Am I seeking to advance God's kingdom or am I seeking to have myself exalted in the eyes of others? This is an important question that we should ask ourselves. Uh, as we as we seek to monitor our heart is is we seek to honor the Lord in all things another question that we might ask is is God in this is God in this goal is God in this vision that I have listen if God is in it then your goal your desire ultimately should be to exalt him rather than to exalt yourself you and I need to make sure that God is in it. We can know that God is in it or God is not in it by speaking to other believers, by sharing our dreams, our, our ideas with other believers, by prayer, by Bible study. We should pursue these things and ask ourselves, is God in it? Am I really seeking to honor him? Well, when it comes to being tempted to seek others' recognition through personal achievements, of course, we need to make sure that we understand our culture. Second of all, we need to monitor our hearts. But third, we need to let God bless us. We need to let God himself be the one who blesses us rather than seeking to achieve things on our own apart from God. Now, if you remember earlier in this message, I mentioned to you that basically what we're seeing here are the descendants of Shem, one of the three sons of Noah. And Shem's line is traced here to the Tower of Babel in chapter 11. But Shem's line is also traced to Abraham over in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. And I want to draw a contrast here for you between one line of Shem and the other line of Shem. The line of Shem at Babel sought to make a name for themselves so that they could be great. Whereas in contrast, it was God himself who would make the name of Abraham great for greater purposes. Look at Genesis chapter 12 verse 1. Genesis chapter 12, and listen to what Moses records for us here. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. If you were to sit down and compare Genesis chapter 11, verse 4, and Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, you would see that the people there at Babylon said, let us make a name for ourselves. Whereas God speaks to Abram here in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, and he says, I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Do you see the difference here? Do you see the difference, the contrast between these two lines of Shem? One, or, one is all consumed about themselves, what they can accomplish, how great they can make their name for personal ambition and achievement. And Abraham here seems to almost be passive. He is listening to the Lord, and God comes down and says, I will bless you. I will make your name great for greater purposes. And if you know anything about how God used Abraham and his line, you know that from Abraham came children, came the Jewish people, came the Messiah. And in Abraham, as Genesis chapter 12, verse 3 tells us, in his line, all the nations of the earth were blessed with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
You say, I think there's a lesson here for you and me. It's okay to have dreams. It's okay to have ambitions. It's okay to seek to accomplish things. But rather, you and I should be very passive about making our name great, about people remembering us. Instead, we should pray to God. We should ask him, Lord, if you so choose to use me to make my name great, to cause me to be successful in this pursuit or that pursuit, so be it. But God, only let me be your instrument, your vehicle, your means to make your gospel advance throughout the nations. You see, there, there's a great difference between those who are seeking to make their name great for their own purposes and those who are willing, if God chooses, to make their name great to advance his gospel in all of the world. Where are you this morning? Where is your perspective? What are you motivated by? Your gifts, and God has given you some gifts. Your wealth, and God has given you wealth. Your abilities, and God has given you abilities. Your ability to speak, uh, the relationships that you have, the possessions that you have. You think God has given you these things just so that people can sit back and say, wow, I'm so impressed with all that you have and all that you've accomplished. Or do you think perhaps that God has given you these things to use in the lives of others and the lives and the purposes of his kingdom to advance his gospel? I think you know the answer. The answer is that God has given you these things. He has made your name great, so to speak. He has blessed you that you would sit and ask yourself and pray and say, God, use me to accomplish your purposes. And whether or not I'm recognized, God, I don't care, but rather I want to be used of you to advance your gospel in the time that you give me here earth. Well, are these the only points of application that we can make from this passage of Scripture? I don't think so. I think there's one more point of application that I would like to make and then we'll be finished. I think the fourth point of application would be this. Realize that God has already brought you recognition, glory, and blessings. God has already brought you and me as believers recognition, glory, and his blessings. You know, we often think of blessings in the form of material blessings or the recognition of people, what they say to us, how they esteem us. But in reality, God has already blessed us. He has already recognized us and given us a status that is incredible. If you look over at 1 Peter chapter, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. There, Peter will speak how God has blessed us by making us his chosen race, his royal priesthood, his holy nation, a people fit for his own possession and more. Listen to what Peter says there in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. He says this, you are a chosen race, meaning you're a special people set aside, a royal priesthood. You're a priest who represent God. You are a holy nation, meaning you've been set apart for divine purposes, a people of his own possession. God owns you. He possesses you. You are his people, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We could talk all day about dreams or pursuits for material things, for human recognition, and, and that would be okay. There, there's an element there that we could talk about, but ultimately the people of God need to stop 
and stop being like their culture and stop thinking like this world and start thinking as the scriptures would have us to think and understand that God has already given you a recognition, a status, a glory, a fame that is not experienced like the other peoples of this earth. Do I speak with pride? Do I speak with arrogance? No, and neither should you, but I speak as one who understands that we were once darkness. We were once condemned to hell. We were once at war with God. We were once hostile to God, as Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2. And now there is peace. And now we live in light. And now we are the people of God. And now we are a royal priesthood. Now we are part of his family, adopted into his line. Folks, I don't know what you've acquired in your life so far. I don't know what possessions you've gathered or what you've accomplished. But nothing that you or I accomplish or gather in this life will compare with the blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. These blessings, these recognitions, they will all fade away and be forgotten. They will be monuments that will crumble. And yet the blessings that come with God, to be a part of God's family, to be forgiven of our sins, to be washed by the blood of Christ due to Calvary, this is a blessing. These are, these are gifts that God has given us that will not pass away. And these ultimately should be what we thank God for and what we revel in and what we find joy in and, and what we share with others, what we talk about rather than these things of the world. We should do, as Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, proclaim God's excellencies because his gifts truly are the most excellent and the greatest. Christian, I, I don't know what your pursuit has been recently. I don't, I don't know what you're trying to strive for. Maybe it's that promotion at work. Uh, maybe, maybe it's to be recognized as like a great parent, a good parent. Maybe it's, it's beauty. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's just to be esteemed by people in some way because of your intelligence. But you and I have to be careful as God's people that we follow not the example of the world, but we follow the example and the teachings that we find in Scripture. Folks, don't build a monument to yourself. Don't try to make your name great. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, what you do is, is you lay yourself before God in humility, in prayer, with the word of God open, and you say, God, if you want me to be known and recognized, so be it. God, if you don't want me to be recognized and known, so be it. But in my life, may your name be great for the advancement of the gospel, for the advancement of your kingdom purposes. That's my prayer for you today for each of you. Would you pray with me? Father, this is a story that we have heard many times, Lord, even since we were children. And God, yet, God, we need to be reminded as your people, God, that our life, Lord, is not about what we acquire, we achieve, or the recognition that people give us. But instead, God, it's to be instruments of you. God, it's to be actors on your stage in the play that you have written. And God, we're instruments that, that point people to you. God, we're actors that point people to the gospel. Lord, may that be true in the life of every believer who is here. May they seek to build a monument to you and not a monument to themselves. We pray this in Jesus' name.